I think forgiven people forgive people in the same way that hurt people hurt people, forgiven people forgive people. From Crossroads Media, this is See Here Love, the podcast with Melinda Estabrooks, season eight, episode number 15. The Bible can feel overwhelming, confusing, or hard to believe. Scripture Untangled, a new podcast by the Canadian Bible Society, brings you interviews with culture leaders, leaders in ministry, and Bible thinkers to help you be inspired to dive into the Bible and understand it. Listen for free and subscribe to Scripture Untangled on your preferred podcast app. Visit scriptureuntangled.ca for more information. I'm here in my hometown of Burlington, Ontario, hanging out downtown in our village square. And as I walk these cobblestone streets, I realize that it has taken a village to ensure that See Here Love's mission and vision is shared across Canada, around the world, that you are seen, heard, and deeply loved by God. As a body of Christ, there is hope for us to grow and reconstruct together. We couldn't do this work without you sharing life-changing stories of what Jesus is doing in people's lives, stories of hope and freedom and healing in areas that matter to me and to you. I want to have the faith to believe that His plan is good even when it's taking that detour that I don't really understand. We have so much more to do and so many more people to reach with the life-changing message of Jesus. For a monthly donation of $25 or more, you can help us do just that. And we'll send you a special thank you gift of our favorite things. Go to seeherelove.com slash give or call 1-800-265-3100 and join our See Here Love Village today. Well, welcome back to our special Christmas series with great expectation, finding hope, peace, joy, and love this Advent season. And this episode is all about practical steps to overcoming trauma, reclaiming your future, and and finding joy as you do. I'm really looking forward to this conversation. But before we get into this, I want to introduce you to our very special guest, Jenny Owens. Jenny is co-founder of Reboot Recovery, where along with her husband, Evan, she provides a unique blend of clinical insight and Christian faith support to those recovering from trauma. Jenny is an occupational therapist and serves as the head of research, uh, presenting Reboot's research findings at universities and scientific conferences across the country. Evan and Jenny have three sons. They live outside of Nashville, Tennessee, and they are authors of this book, Healing What's Hidden, Practical Steps to Overcoming Trauma. Welcome, Jenny. Thank you, Melinda. It's such a privilege to be here. And Merry Christmas. This is part of their Christmas Christmas series. So Merry Christmas as well. I love Christmas. Thank you. Me too. All right. Well, before we talk about your latest book and a really important topic, I know for my viewers and listeners, let's talk a little bit about Christmas because everybody loves to talk about that. So Jenny, your favorite part or moment of the Christmas story. Okay. Well, I love it all. Of course, it's hard to pick a moment. It's all so beautiful. But one thing that sprang into my mind when you asked that question actually comes in the middle of Luke two. So Jesus is actually already born. And it's that moment when his parents take him to present him to the temple and to make a sacrifice according to Jewish law. And there at the temple, we meet this character of Anna She's a, I always look for women in biblical stories because I'm looking to identify with them and the parts that they play in this beautiful narrative. And Anna is, is a prophetess. She's an 80 plus year old woman. She was widowed after only being married for seven years. And it just says that she dedicated her life to God by serving and worshiping at the temple. And there's this moment where I can just imagine, I mean, I'm filling in the gaps in the story that 
like many faithful Jews, she has prayed and longed for this Messiah, for this rescue, um, for the fulfillment of God's prophecy of God's covenant and praying that she might meet him someday. And there's this moment where she sees this little couple come in and the Holy spirit tells her that that baby is the Messiah. And I, and she runs over to meet him and she's overjoyed and she begins prophesying about him to all of Jerusalem. And I just love that story of, of a hope fulfilled of faith, um, met with this answer, um, that she was able to meet him in her lifetime. And there's also this older character named Simeon too. It gives a little more detail on him, but I just love that Anna, that female voice there. And for me, it just speaks to the waiting. We all find ourselves in those seasons of waiting. Advent is about waiting, um, and putting our hope in, the things unseen. And for her, she, she saw it this side of heaven. For some of us, we don't see it this side of heaven, but we know that the hope fulfilled is in Jesus. And I just love that. Beautiful. I love that. <laughs> love that. That's a great, great moment in the Christmas story. All right. Second, Jenny, what are your thoughts about our anchor quote for our Advent series, focusing on joy from Dietrich Bonhoeffer? And this is what the quote is. The celebration of Advent is possible only to those who are troubled in soul, who know themselves to be poor and imperfect, and who look forward to something greater to come. Mm, I think that really goes hand in hand with what I was just talking and thinking about. Um, it's that the light comes out of the darkness. We all find ourselves in those seasons of darkness where we're, we don't understand, where we're suffering, where we're struggling. Um, but just like the light above Bethlehem that guided people to Jesus, there's there's a hope in him that we we can grasp a hold of. And Advent season is something that happens every year, but it's just uh, a zoomed in perspective on what we think experience over a lifetime of looking to Jesus, of looking to the light, looking to the hope. And um, I think it's an important reminder for us to walk through that every season and to experience the joy of his birth, um, to experience the fulfillment of God's promises, and to know that those things are going to happen in all the areas that we're waiting in. Beautiful. I think it's a perfect segue, Jenny, as we talk about light to darkness, healing what's hidden, bringing what's hidden to light, shame and things that we have experienced in the past to light. So it's perfect. And I think it's just perfect for you to be a part of the series as a lot of people and myself included and, and people that I love have really struggled with moments of trauma in our own life. And so this is such a, a needed book and conversation to do, but how did you get in, interested involved in this? Because that's a lot. Yeah. Easy subject to kind of be like, I'm going to just jump into it and, right. and do it. What made you, uh, you know, want to help thousands of people overcome trials, like what you say, tragedies and traumas from their past? Well, as many things happen, I think, in our lives, when God's hand is in it, I didn't set out on a journey to get involved in trauma, but I just walked through the doors that were open in front of me. I, I felt God's call. Um, my background is as an occupational therapist, as you shared, and I actually found myself working for the Department of Defense here in the United States for our army, um, treating soldiers who had been wounded in the wars in Iraq and Afghanistan. And so I was working with traumatic brain injury recovery, but also recognizing that while these soldiers had physical wounds, there were emotional, mental, and importantly, spiritual wounds that they carried as a result of being in these life or death situations, losing loved ones, losing abilities, having to make 
uh, lose decisions on the battlefield. And they were carrying these invisible rucksacks of guilt and shame and regret. And I could just see it on their faces in every conversation that we had as an occupational therapist. I'm trying to help them to reclaim purpose and meaning in their lives. And I felt like it just, it always catalyzed a conversation about faith because trauma does that. Trauma makes us ask those hard questions. If God is so good, why does he allow these bad things to happen? Why did I live and my friend die? What am I supposed to do with the weight that I now carry? And so I just felt arrested. My spirit felt arrested by these stories. And it happened almost every interaction that I had. So much though that I'm talking to my husband about it over the months. And this was back in like 2008, nine timeframe. Um, I just felt like I was, li- I was limited in what I could do professionally uh, with my bag of tools that I was equipped with as an occupational therapist. But as a believer, I felt like there was a, a greater conversation to be had. And I just wanted to create a place for us to go there because I felt like these men and women were really hungry for it, for hope and for joy. And so we, my husband and I decided to create a small group around the topic of trauma and faith, specifically working with military. But as I'll share with you later, that that vision has grown and adapted to encompass everyone. Um, But we just developed this program called Reboot Recovery, taking what we had learned from being in the church, but wanting to reach people who were maybe outside the walls of the church to say, we're going to have a 12-week experience. We're going to talk through a topic each week that we feel like uh, resonates with people who've dealt with trauma and their family members. And what we saw come out of that was a beautiful community emerge, a beautiful, authentic representation of the body of Christ as we began to serve and love each other. And these families were united in recognizing that they weren't alone in these struggles. Um, and we saw healing take place. And so after that, we were just sold out years past. Both of us ended up quitting our jobs. We started a nonprofit called Reboot Recovery. And we recognized that maybe we could teach other people around the world to do these courses, to lead these courses. Cause we felt like We weren't really relying on my expertise as a professional. It was more like relying on what God has equipped each of us as believers to do, to reach into the hearts of those who are hurting with the message of hope in Jesus. And it's really taken off over the last uh, about 12 years. So good. That's amazing. Just celebrate you in this. and, and, And I love how God works in that way. You start with one thing and then it can grow into something that can help so many more people than you thought. Like it just sort of multiplies into, into something bigger. So I'm, I'm really grateful for this book. Um, I love that it's broken down to just various three different uh, parts, which is nice and easy. And so I just wanna talk through the three parts. You can kind of give me high level because obviously we want people to like get the book for more of the detail. But I think these three will really be helpful for, for people right now, especially in this season that are really struggling and and for many it, they might not even know if it could be trauma they're actually yeah. struggling they don't know so your first part jenny is your first steps and there's five things just want to mention and we can just do a high level but the first part of your first steps in your part one is calling trauma by its real name yeah yeah i think that what we found reboot does that's helpful is gives people a vocabulary for maybe topics that they've brushed under the rug or that have been taboo in their relationships and saying, you know, what you experienced wasn't normal. And if it has long standing, long reaching effects on your life, 
it might be smart to look at it and recognize it for what it is. And trauma, we make it more complicated sometimes than it is. I think we're afraid of this word, but all it really means is a wound. That's the Greek root word. And we've been wounded. Every single one of us who's walked on this fallen earth has been wounded in ways that are invisible to the naked eye. And so we've got to acknowledge it just like any other wound. If we ignore it, what tends to happen? It gets worse and affects other areas. So we want to empower people to call it what it is, acknowledge it for a wound and to say, you're not broken, you're wounded. And guess what? Wounds can heal because we're created by the ultimate healer. So that's a starting point. That's good. The second one I found because I love HTTV. You see <laughs> healing will be like an hgtv show which i'm like what it's always like the reveals I like the, it's all kind of like worked itself out and now it's all beautiful and it's all come together but you're saying healing won't be like that yeah well we've seen it i mean this book came out of about 10 years of just walking with people in reboot recovery and in relationship and recognizing that it's not always wrapped up in a nice tidy bow at the end of the story and that healing happens over the course of a lifetime. But we want to give people the grace to give to themselves um, to know that it's going to ebb and flow. But yet we believe and we've seen it that we can live lives of joy and purpose despite the pain that we've endured. And that sometimes it requires not just a do-it-yourself mentality, like I can just fix this myself, but it takes a community of people coming in and you inviting them into your pain to help rebuild after something traumatic. The other thing I thought, Jenny, was these default responses to trauma were just like, oh, it's just that or not a big deal. I think it was great that you identified that. Talk to me about why we do that and, and why are those our default responses to trauma? Yeah. Well, one of the things we learned in working with the military yeah. is that when a patient is wounded on the battlefield, the most important thing to do is to stop the bleeding. And sometimes with trauma, we don't recognize it, but our knee-jerk reactions to the painful experiences is to make choices that make things worse. And so we wanted to help people identify what are those default reactions and how can we stop them from taking us down a path that leads us farther away from healing instead of closer to it. And so we just, this was all based on experience of watching. Unfortunately, we watched over 10 years, people walking through some of the most difficult experiences of their lives. And we wanted to package it and say, here, here's what we've learned. And here's how you can avoid some of these downward spirals. Good. As well in your first steps, you talk about our emotions. That's really, really important. And, and, you know, for some people, it's like, we don't want to deal with emotions. Emotional people. Why, why is that important? First step as we look at, you know, healing our trauma. Yeah. Well, we, some other person who's really smart has said this, you can't heal what you can't feel. And mm -hmm. I think it's important to allow ourselves to feel the emotions, but at the same time to recognize that emotions are meant to be a gauge and not necessarily a guide, like a GPS. We use the analogy like a car. Emotions are a gauge to show you that there's something deeper that needs to be addressed. And sometimes, unfortunately, I think we just focus a lot on the super on the superficial aspects, maybe just following the emotions or allowing them to lead us into certain decisions and behaviors. When what we really need to do is lift up the hood and see, well, what is this gauge telling us needs to be addressed? And that may be a root wound. And that's what the book goes into talking about that trauma has inflicted that until we address that root wound, the symptoms are going to stay there. Right. And which is like the, 
my number five, and this is at the true source of our trauma. So sometimes it's more, we think it's here sort of surface, but actually you have to kind of dig down a little bit to really see what is the true source of our trauma. And why do we not want to look at that? Is that too hard, too painful to actually really dig down that deep? I think it, it can be very painful, um, but it also just, it takes a lot of effort. It takes remembering. Um, it takes looking at things that were unpleasant in our lives. Um, but it's just, it's sometimes easier to think, well, I'm depressed, so I can just fix the depression by this medication or by doing something that allows me to avoid the deeper issue. I just think sometimes it's easier. And we saw this a lot with the folks we worked with. We called it symptom whack-a-mole. You can address one symptom and maybe get it under control, but then it pops up in another place. And it's very exhausting doing that until you realize that maybe we've got to heal something deeper. That's the root of those symptoms. And truly that is going to to produce the long-standing effective change that you're hoping for. And I really appreciate Jenny, just the first steps, uh, just the honesty about it, but that there is work and choosing to do. There's a really where you need to evaluate, sit, think, reflect, do, choose. Yeah. There's a lot of that. I'm, I'm big on that in our show. See, love is always about, you can't expect life to just happen and things to get better without making choices and doing yes. work. Yes. asking the questions, getting help, like you, you have to. And so I think that that's really important that you have very practical things in your first steps. That was definitely our hope. We know there's a lot of books written on trauma. Um, sometimes I think they're written maybe for therapists or, or people who are in a, maybe an academic place. But we know that when you've experienced trauma, you need practical things. You need things that are bite-sized that you can chew on and swallow and maybe reference again and again. Um, because it's an exhausting place to be. And there's a lot of stuff usually that you're working through. So yeah, we designed it to be practical and to be applicable. And, and yes, we did challenge people right out the gate and say, this isn't going to happen on accident. That's the reason that you found yourself here. It's going to take humility and it's going to take intentionality. Good. So let's move to part two, your wounding. And this is the part where you're just like, oh. like I was, I was looking through it. I'm like, oh, so you have four. Uh, one is loss, two, guilt, shame, and regret, three, rejection, neglect, and abandonment, and four, hurt and abuse. Mm -hmm. So you've really kind of like taken for trauma, those four is kind of the four that a lot of people deal with and have yeah. trauma. Uh, let's talk, I mean, we don't have to go through each one, but overall, I mean, those are hard things to look at. Those are hard things to uh, believe or admit you know, to say this is actually what happened. Yeah. You're wounding and wounding and hearing that makes my heart hurt because it yeah. is like you said, wounding. Yeah. So what is like, so let's, let's talk about, maybe we should go. Cause I feel like some of these are really intense. So, so let's talk about loss as one of the woundings. Yeah. What's well, the interesting thing. Yeah. We know trauma comes in many shapes and forms could be a natural disaster, could be abuse, could be loss of a child, a miscarriage. Um, that's something that we have walked through multiple times personally. Um, and so we felt like you can boil the wounds of trauma down to these categories, no matter kind of where you're coming from. And loss specifically, I think is one where people can find themselves stuck. Um, they can find themselves uh, wanting to 
uh, take a detour around the grief process, Mm -hmm. but we talk about the grief process is a God given gift that if we walk through it, we find hope on the other side of it. Um, and for people who, who choose not to, or maybe their circumstances prevent them from grieving, uh, they're going to see some of those undesirable symptoms. Like we talked about at the beginning of, of feeling depressed or maybe anger or bitterness. And so we, we use some biblical, um, teaching in that we also offer some practical steps for like, how can you engage the grieving process in your life? It looks different for everybody. Um, but just sharing people that there is healing by going through that muck and that by trying to circumvent it, you're going to short circuit what you can receive on the other side in terms of Mm -hmm. healing. Guilt, shame, and regret. That's huge. Like on so many things, the guilt of a poor choice, shame for things that you did or for what other, another person did to you. Yeah. Those are the hard ones. We want to try to make the distinction uh, well, first of all, we say that guilt, shame, and regret kind of, we call them misbehaving triplets. When when they come into your life and they mm-hmm. they aren't acting as they should be, they can lead you down this path from guilt to shame to regret. Guilt in and of itself is not bad. It's a, Again, it's a gift that God has given us. It's conviction that allows us to change our behavior, to seek forgiveness, and to repent. But we get trapped when we assume guilt for something we didn't do, which is called false guilt. And that, if you think about that verse in in 1 Corinthians, uh, godly sorrow leads to repentance that leaves no regret, but worldly sorrow leads to death. We can maybe say that false guilt is a form of worldly sorrow that traps people in doing time for a crime they didn't commit. And that in and of itself can lead people to an adopt a shame mentality where not only do they think they did something bad, they think they are bad. That affects their identity. Mm -hmm. And then out of that identity, we begin making more choices that kind of feed that identity that take us again down a path farther from healing. And then years down the road, we find ourselves in the regret stage, looking back and thinking, I shoulda, coulda, woulda. And paralyzed about looking forward, not trusting ourselves to make good decisions going forward. And so we really tried to, again, put a vocabulary to some of those experiences, but every chapter is hope filled in showing you that you can step out of those mindsets and you can seek forgiveness for true guilt. And you can step out of the invisible cage of false guilt by calling a lie for what it is and recognizing that sometimes that's an attack from the enemy. Um, and from, from claiming your true identity, which actually comes up again later in the book. Good. Now, rejection, neglect, and abandonment. I would say personally for me, that's the one where, you know, when I've shared before about like my husband leaving our marriage Yeah. um, and a lot of, you know, in relationships that kind of abandonment or rejection, Yeah. um, which is brutal, (laughs) but that's, those are big ones too, like rejection, from either like a community or group or people or church and then neglect like from family yeah. or parents yeah and abandonment yeah yeah we kind of saw those as all linked sort of on a continuum uh, we all face rejection uh some of us face neglect as children or even as spouses and then in fewer experience total neglect which is really abandonment mm-hmm. but again all of those things just kind of they can chip away at our sense of worthiness and again, at our identity, and they can change the way that we see people and the way that we see God, right? That just is a total break of trust. And we wanted to encourage people to 
recognize that there is a hope for loving, trusting relationships that can rebuild your sense of self and your sense of confidence and your sense of worthiness. And we have seen it. We share a few stories in that section. Actually, I think three different stories of folks who walk through rejection, neglect, and abandonment, um, but who found that through loving relationships with other followers of Christ, through people who walked with them through those difficult seasons, it rebuilt their trust and it, and it opened the door for them to recognize that God is, is a God who will never reject, neglect, or abandon us. And that's a truth that we can hold to. Beautiful. And then finally hurt and abused. And that's been a tough one, especially, you know, for women that I know and, and you know, abuse that we've endured or sexual abuse to emotional abuse, physical abuse, um, and just hurt by people with, with what they've yeah. said and not said. Yeah. That's a big yeah. one. That's a big wounded. Yeah. Yeah. We talk about, um, childhood abuse. We talk about, um, people going kind of fighting for their younger self in the book. Um, again, looking at and recognizing, abuse and trauma for what they are. I think a lot of times, especially with abuse in childhood, we tend to just say, well, my, my dad was just kind of a strict disciplinarian or my mom just had a sharp tongue, but, you know, recognizing those things for what they are and standing up for it, even if it doesn't necessarily mean confronting that person, but again, just saying that was wrong. I did. I don't have to uh, walk forever under that umbrella of is my fault. And I, I deserved this or whatever. And then trying to begin the process of recycling those painful experiences into speaking life into those people around you. Um, we tell a few stories of that in, in that section of the book. And that kind of, again, dovetails into what's later the, the healing portion of the book, which is that God's in the business of recycling and restoring. And yeah. um, if it's just pain for pain's sake, that's a pretty fatalistic way of viewing things. But if you can say that happened to me, we do have some strategies for getting out of it. If you're still in an abusive situation, we obviously that has to happen first, but then looking back at it and saying, I am going to allow God to make beauty from the ashes of these mm -hmm. painful relationships. Uh, and then I can find that empowerment. Beautiful. So we've done part one where it's first steps, things that we need to do. Then it's the identity, you know, identifying our wounding and looking at these four different areas. And then I, I love this. This is like what you're saying, redemptive you know, way of your healing. And yeah. um, there's a few here I just want to kind of quickly go through and then I'm going to ask you about the joy part. But number one, and we've known this, if you know, you kind of grow up a church and, but it's forgiveness. Like you're yeah. healing, it's both forgiveness and, and the weight of when you live in unforgiveness, that there's that as well. Yeah, we, we use an analogy in our reboot courses that unforgiveness is like hugging a cactus. The harder you hold on to it, the more it hurts you. Yeah. And so when you recognize that holding on to unforgiveness, isn't really hurting the person that you feel deserves that they're off doing whatever it is they're doing, uh, Yeah. you know, maybe hurting more people, hopefully not. But, but when you recognize that you, you're kind of building a prison around yourself with that unforgiveness, uh, it's limiting you in your relationships with other people and with God and your potential as a human being, uh, then forgiveness sets you free. Mm -hmm. And so we want to 
encourage people to forgive the people in their lives who've harmed them. That's, that's, that's a first step. Um, but that starts with receiving for yourself, the forgiveness of Jesus. Um, I think forgiven people, forgive people in the same way that hurt people, hurt people, forgiven people, forgive people. So it starts with recognizing what that really means for you. And then, and then going through the process of giving that out. And it may be a choice that you have to make every day of your life. Forgiveness is hard. It's not always a one and done thing, um, but we provide some practical steps for that in the book. Amazing. Next one is, I love this, becoming the one uh, you really are. Yeah. Uh, that's, I love that. I say that a lot, especially for women, like becoming. Who are we going to become? That's a beautiful one. The one yeah. you Yeah, I think so many of us uh, kind of view ourselves as a sum of our, of our worst choices or of our biggest mistakes or of we are what happened to us. Um, and we claim these false identities. And again, that out of our identity and our sense of self, we make choices and tend, sometimes those things reinforce what we think about ourselves. So we get really stuck on a hamster wheel. And so breaking free of that is to claim your, your true identity and your true identity is established by the one who created you. Uh, the table doesn't say to the table maker, well, I'm a chair, you know, the table recognizes that the creators created him to be a table. And so we go back to to the Lord. And we've got an exercise in there. I think it's super powerful, recognizing um, some ungodly or untruthful beliefs that maybe we've adopted over the course of our lives about ourselves. Well, I can never be loved. I always make, I always mess things up. Nobody wants to hear what I have to say, by the way, that's my ungodly belief that I battle with. And even getting into this interview, nobody wants to hear what I have to say. It's not founded in the truth, but it's something that I've bought into. And so we go through a process of breaking free from that agreement with that lie and embracing what God says about us. And there's an awesome section of scripture that just is a love letter from the father's heart to the reader of the book. And it brings me to tears every time I read it. I had to read it for the audio book and I just keep weeping at the end of it. But uh, it's so important to just remind ourselves who we are and to have people in our lives and our communities that are going to speak that to us as well, because we need to hear it. I love that, which is number three that I have here, like turning the pain into purpose of finding a safe community. And I like the pain into purpose because I think in all the difficult situations that I've experienced in my own life from depression and to divorce and to just a lot of things, it's, it's amazing now to be on this side and be able to take pain and make it into purpose to share and a connective empathy for other yeah. people to understand what other people are going through. Like that's a huge one. I think for me, this is a very personal one in my own healing of taking that even as a Christian woman in content and in on TV to kind of put yourself out there scary every day to say yeah. this is who I am. But knowing that the pain to purpose, what you say in the book is key for healing. Yeah. Every time every time I speak it out, Jenny, it doesn't have power over me. I remember that every time I would share it, I'd be terrified of how people were going to judge me when I would speak about my issues or things that had happened to me. But then every time I did it, it was like the power of it more was released more every time and there was somebody who was listening who thought they were the only person who had experienced that yes and for them to hear it from you was such a validation and it empowers them to to push forward to seek help to put up the the <laughs> white flag and say i need i need someone in my life so taking that first step of vulnerability and and humility and sharing those deep dark things i mean god is in the business of restoring that which seems broken beyond repair. Uh, we say in the book, if trauma was your personal intersection with the brokenness of the world, and again, if you haven't experienced it yet, you probably will at some point in the future, then healing 
is your personal intersection with the redemptive heart of God, because he can't not rebirth, redeem, restore. That's who he is. And if you partner with him in that, you will see the most miraculous things. I mean, that's why we do this work and why we derive so much joy from it is because we've seen God take something that seems totally wrecked and upside down and repurpose it to something that's bringing life and purpose and joy to somebody else. That's exactly it. And so with that, you know, can you find joy in the midst of healing? Can we find joy as we toward overcoming our trauma? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, like we say, the the healing journey is going to have its ups and downs, but Jesus, he said in this world, you have struggle, but take heart for I have overcome the world. Right. And Jesus said he has come. The enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come so that you may have life and have it abundantly. So yes, we live in a world where it's going to be rife with, with struggle, but the, the gift of Jesus is that we can have joy and hope in spite of that. Um, I've seen it so many times in the lives of people that we've worked with. One in particular, I tell the story in the book, his name's Brian. Uh, he came to our reboot course right after a failed suicide attempt. Mm -hmm. He was at the lowest point in his life. And he thought that the only source of happiness, he said he laid down and smiled after he took two bottles of pill pills was the hope that the pain would end. But God had a different plan for him. He survived. He walked by, we were having this meeting. My husband invited him in and he came in because we said we had free food, which is two words that'll get a military veteran in the door. <laughs> um, he always tells that story. Oh man. And over 12 weeks, we just saw the Lord tear down the walls that he had put up and give him back pieces of himself and to show him that life can be different than it's always been, that life can be better than it was in the past. And this guy has had this incredible transformation and became a Christian. He went back to college. He restored his family. He works for our organization. He leads reboot courses. He testifies all over the country. It's incredible. And he's one of the most joy-filled persons I've ever known. And he can look back on that dark, darkest moment of his life and he has gratitude for it because he recognized that that was the moment when God began his redemptive work in his life. And that joy just seeps out of him because he knows that there is a greater purpose on his life. Yeah. And it's beautiful. Jenny, thank you so much. Jenny Owens and Evan for this book. I love it. Healing What's Hidden, Practical Steps to Overcoming Trauma. I'm so glad I spent this time with you. And it was a joy to spend this time after all of the things that we would challenges. Merry Christmas to you and your family, Jenny, and a happy new year. And thank you. Thank you for this important book. And I love the steps, your first steps, then your wounding and your healing. And I know that this book and your work can help so many people around the world. What a good way to actually think about that this Christmas season and to come into a new year. So thank you so much. And to your viewer and listener, know that you are seen, heard, and deeply loved by God as you heal from what's hidden and choose to overcome your trauma and find joy. Merry Christmas, and thanks for joining us. Thank you for listening to See, Here Love, the podcast with Melinda Estabrooks. Stay connected with our daily posts and stories on Instagram or Facebook at See, Here Love, or join our newsletter at www.seeherelove.com.